This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! This is James Abar, creator of The Crow, and you're listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 463 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. My name is Matt Baum. And I'm Jared Savitas. Each week, Matt and Joe discuss Wednesday's news comics, comic book movies, TV news, and sort through the rotting produce of the internet to bring you the freshest rumors. Joe was bitten by a moloid while urinating, so he's taking this week off, so I will be filling in. As your second head. You gotta get that thing looked at, you know? And you, it, we need some above it, ground it, medicine. It does for not this. look good. It's <laughs> festering. We're gonna feature our written reviews on the site this week, so be sure to check those out. Instead of Ludicrous Speed Round, Jared, let's get right into it. Let's get right to this week's Nerd News. Nerd News. Jared Savitas, tell me about Old Man Hawkeye. Okay, well. So Marvel is launching a prequel to Wolverine's popular Old Man Logan arc in January. Which, which they they have extended way too long. Right, <laughs> like sure. Why we're still dealing with this, I don't know. Uh, but, but this one's going to focus on Hawkeye. First reported by New York Daily News, Old Man Hawkeye by NYDN writer Ethan Sachs and artist Marco Cheeschito will follow Clint Barkin. Clint <laughs> Barton, five years before the events of Mark Millar and Steve McNiven's original Arc. So this is the story of Hawkeye losing his vision. The Hawkeye we remember from the old man Logan. Old story, man Logan, where he had one arm, one arm, and and cool couldn't see round John Lennon glasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the story of him losing his vision, and that sort of forces him to confront something really horrible that happened to him personally forty five years ago, and go on his hero's journey while he still can. Said the writer Sachs. It's very much like a ticking clock that's forcing him into action. In the original Old Man Logan arc, Clint Barton was blind due to glaucoma, so he could get medical weed. <laughs> I was hoping it, <laughs> it was going to be something like acid. He got acid in his eyes. Yeah, no, I just said glaucoma. <laughs> you know, <laughs> really exciting glaucoma. Tell me, read me this. Uh, read me this quote from uh, Alex Alonzo. Okay, this one. Old Man Hawkeye is on its own terms an epic story said Marvel Editor-in-Chief Axel Alonzo. Uh, readers will gain insight into previously established characters, explore new corners of the wasteland, meet new characters, and discover exciting Easter eggs all throughout Clint's journey. So he's meeting the Easter bunny. Yes. <laughs> and he is getting, uh, has a basket and, he and he's collecting eggs. Easter eggs. Yes. So Easter eggs, I assume, from the maybe original Old Man Logan right. uh, storyline. Um, and it's a series. creative way to go back there but hey i've got a better creative way to go back there send old man logan back there because we don't need him in the marvel universe anymore anymore. i hope for those of you who don't know wolverine is back (laughs) he's in the marvel universe you also have x-23 calling herself wolverine in the marvel universe and then there's wolverine wolverine right right (laughs) old man wolverine 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 and x-23 wolverine it's just like you know having all the spider-man that's a lot of wolvies this sounds cool and I, you know, I didn't read the Brave New World thing that he wrote for Secret Empire. Secret Empire was kind of a pile of crap. But <laughs> I mean, they believe in this guy. Let's give him a shot. I do love Chichetto. That guy can draw whatever he wants. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah he's sweet. 
He's sweet. So I don't know. I don't care about this world anymore. Yeah, I mean, looks, but somebody does. Somebody I mean, and, does, and it obviously. is a cool way to go back there, you know, to get another like yeah. uh, vision on it, even though he's blind. Sure, uh, but uh, you know, it, it's a fun way, I guess, to introduce more characters. But then again, is it just going to kind of be yeah. uh, another, you know? Oh well, hey, they had the inbred Hulks, so I'm going to come up with my thing. Of course, you know, my cast of inbred ooh, Venoms. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I've got really good news for you, buddy. Really good news. <laughs> What's that? You're going to love this. <laughs> The director of one of your favorite movies, oh, Gore Verbinski, oh. director of Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, yes. Is reportedly And hey man. Via deadline. Lone Ranger. Don't you don't you discount his Lone Ranger? Did you like that? Come on. Are you asking me <laughs> I if I liked Lone boring. Ranger? Come on, dude. The deadline reported that they are nearing a deal for Gore Verbinski to direct 20th Century Foxes. Gambit film. Oh my goodness. It won't go away. It's a spinoff of a studio's X-Men films. Gambit is to star Channing Tatum, who we lovingly refer to here as Charming Tater, as the titular mutant. Recently, the X-Men franchise producer Hutch Parker and Tatum himself confirmed Gambit was still happening, even though it's yet to have a full cast, production start date, or a firm script in place. So it's, <laughs> so it's more got like, nothing. Yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. like a, hey, you want to do it? Yeah, yeah, it's like, hey, no, we are still <laughs> totally into the idea of maybe doing it. Last month, Tatum revealed that the project is starting from scratch. We lit a fuse on the first one and just blew it completely out of the water. I think we got lucky. We got hit with some setbacks. It was all for good reason. We were trying to do something completely different. We were trying to do something that this genre movie hasn't seen before. I don't know what any of this means. We kept running into the same problems, and then Deadpool and Logan came through and kicked the doors down. Now we're really getting to do some of the things we've always wanted to do with the script. We've just started over. It's going to be rated R. Does that mean cursing and... yeah? You know, we'll see Gambit throw cards through somebody's head. Yeah, they're going to make it rated R. I, I guarantee it. Because that's the only thing that they can think of now to make any money. First of all, I don't care about Gambit. I know several of you do. I do like Channing Tatum. I don't care about Gore Verbinski. Did you ever care about Gambit? Did you ever like him? Like in no, the, Like when he first no. came on the scene, you no. just weren't like, look at this long coat mother scratch no. with some fingers missing on his gloves. This well, guy's right thing. on. At that time in the 80s, Late 80s, early 90s. It's, it was 90s. Yeah, it would have been... Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotta be. Real early 90s. Mm. There was a lot of X characters that were being introduced mm-hmm. willy-nilly, and I think they were just doing it to see who sticks around, and Gamut ended up sticking around. So we didn't know. At the time, we didn't know. Jubilee stuck around too, did you? Yeah, boy. I'm happy about that. I don't care about a Gamut movie because I don't care about Gamut. If it is good, great. Does it need to be rated R? Yeah, because that's what they're doing here. I mean, that's look, what it sounds look, like. man, Deadpool and Logan kick doors down, so that's what they're doing here. And then, because it's Gore Verbinski, and I, you look like it's going to you know, maybe involve the Guild of Thieves and mm-hmm. like his, the clans, those the, dudes... The Bordeaux family. See, now, Gore Verbinski makes all of his like uh, thugs and like bad guys all look like they came off of Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the thing about... <laughs> About the Lone Ranger, those dudes looked like they were yeah they were dirty. They looked like they were the same cast members. So that's what these people are going to look like. Everybody's going to have a backstory. Everyone's going to have spinoff movies. Remember that uh, Ask a Ninja when he would review the Pirates of the Caribbean? Oh. It's like the boats had stories, <laughs> the knives had stories. This movie had a little too much Verbinski, uh, yeah. or it's like not enough gore and a little too much Verbinski. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, tell me about Alan Moore. Tell me about DC and Alan Moore. I heard they're getting along much better now. Okay, so DC's The Terrifics 
the brand new New Age of Heroes team of Plastic Man, Phantom Girl, Mr. Terrific, and Metamorpho may help welcome back another team of superheroes from outside the DCU. What? Now this, dude. What? This is crazy. Tom Strong. I love Tom Strong. His wife, Dahlua? 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 Let's call her Dahlua. His daughter, Tesla, and companions, Newman, who was a robot, and yep. King Solomon, talking ape. Big talking ape. Uh, wore a vest and bow tie. He was awesome. Uh, the cast members of Alan Moore and Chris Spouse's 1999 America's Best Comics title, the Strong family appeared in promo art for the terrific shown at this weekend's New York Comic Con. Uh, there's been some... There was a couple different, like two different limited series, yeah. 2013, and they also did like a Tom Strong's Terrific Tales. Yeah, Alan Moore uh, did the first two, and then book. after that, other people ran with it. Yeah, and it yeah, was, yeah. And it was still at ABC, and then it showed up in 2013 in Vertigo as a Vertigo limited series back at DC. So there, I mean, as we all know, Alan Moore and DC do not get along at all. But he did that stuff as work for hire. And actually, this wasn't. This was his, but then somehow DC reacquired all the rights to this stuff right. through like Wildstorm and stuff like that. Because Homage Comics, where ABC came out of, was mm-hmm. part of Wildstorm. Mm-hmm. If, as I recall, if I'm incorrect, someone please tell me. But this. No, there is, was a bunch of little ones that kind of merged right. and that became Wildstorm. And this is There's how, like all these tiny little. Yeah. And this is how DC got their hands on this stuff. Mm-hmm. So now they're not just screwing around with Alan Moore's Watchmen. They're bringing Tom Strong back into the DC or into the DCU. Unless it's just a thing where the Terrifics are like going to visit the ABC universe or something, which could be tasteful. I'm all right with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with that. I don't need Tom Strong, who is a Superman analog that uses science instead of like powers to be Superman. Right. I don't need another Superman analog. We already saw what happened when they brought the Apollo and the Midnighter in the DCU. It sucked. It totally sucks. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Now I, I love Tom Strong too. I love those books, man. The, the, a riot. Now I'm with you. I would almost rather see a cool crossover. I'm hoping that's what we get, you know, uh, right. as opposed to pulling him into the DCU yeah. just because I love his own, like the universe that he's got a huge yeah. universe around it. Well, and everything worked differently there where everything was superheroes and magic and shit in DC. Everything is science. In Tom Strong. It's all science. I mean, it'd be cool if it was like in, in a lost valley. You know what I mean? Almost like the Savage Land or sure. uh, Pelucular, Pelucadar, whatever you Pelucidar? say. Pelucidar? I always, I did do the know, Like a lost world. I could be into it being like a lost world yeah. on our world, but I don't, I don't want it to be yeah. there. You know, I want it to be like a crossover. And I thought like we learned we something in the New 52 world. where we tried to hammer all this <clears> shit in. I thought we already learned this and we don't need to relearn it. Regardless, Nobody learns the Terrifics is going to be written by Jeff Lemire with artists Ivan Rice and Doc Shaner, both of which are amazing, described as a superhero family title with the goal to recapture the feeling of Stanley and Jack Kirby's Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. It's also a middle finger to Marvel. It does seem uh, yeah. like Tom Strong and his family would fit right in with that aesthetic. I agree, but as we both just said, I don't want him hammered into the universe. No, man, don't force it. Yeah, we don't need to do that. Go ahead and tell us about this Vertigo reboot. Vertigo reboot? I guess. Okay, so announced Thursday at their Meet the Publishers panel at New York Comic Con, DC's Vertigo imprint will relaunch its entire line in August 2018 under the care of new executive editor Mark Doyle to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the infant. Uh, no further information was given at this time. We don't need any further information. <laughs> they need to do this. Oh, okay, so now Vertigo was 
was Way, Gerard Way, right? Like, wasn't he... Uh, no, 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 that's Young Animal. That's Young Animal. That's Young Animal. Okay, okay. So, so Vertigo is no be- Vertigo. It's just been kind of swept under the rug for a little bit. It's become so muddied, we don't know what it is. Because they, they took, like, the ship that steered Vertigo, which was Constantine, basically, and forced yeah. it into the regular DCU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. from there, everything else sort of dropped off. And there was a time when Vertigo was a powerhouse. Oh, yeah. And in the 90s, Vertigo comics dominated they were amazing yeah there was some cool stuff going and on even there. after that we still had like fables coming out of vertigo yep, and yep. all that kind of ended and now vertigo has i don't even know what it is i don't even know if there's any vertigo books on the shelf i don't think there is every once in a while you see one with the v on the t- on the cover and but they have no functioning vertigo as it is i would say young animals the closest thing they have to that they've done some reprint stuff right when they brought yes. like uh, kill your boyfriend back yeah for, as a reprint and Which stuff like that wonderful book oh I yeah i love that book but they need to just reboot it and tell us what it is here's how it's going to be it's going to have this on the cover you will know you're reading a vertigo book it is vertigo it is not in the dcu i can't stress that that's enough. what they have to keep it they have to keep it that way they yes. have to separate it like that yes. well, then otherwise what's the point right you, know, you could say because then it's like in the new fifty two where you had the 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 shadowed corner of the DCU, you know, right. where you had your Swamp Thing and your Zatanna and your uh, uh, not Suicide Squad, but uh, um, oh, I can't remember. Oh, there was Suicide Squad, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of the like, the Dark Knights or whatever those oh, guys were. Justice League Dark <laughs> and the yeah, the, thought the, about that title, the one that was minutes. in like a medieval medieval fantasy world and yeah. stuff like that. Like, I don't think you need to have a shadowed corner, no, to like put out. No, books like this absolutely not just do a vertigo line and make it make those books separate and like whatever and i'm totally fine with, with swamp the tom thing. strong book under there yeah <laughs> but then it won't be a family i'm title, fine with swamp thing and constantine going back i don't need them in the dcu i don't need yeah it. yeah send them back because neither of them are working it just doesn't work at all well we'll see what happens with that then i am glad to have it back though and yeah, if, they cool. can, if, if they can if they keep it cool if they can rebrand it yeah. and they can do it right I am completely down. Yeah, don't worry about like making it uh, accessible. Yeah, to a greater right comic audience. But like you were saying, you don't need a story like "Kill Your Boyfriend" in a world where Superman exists. Yeah, right. Or Wonder Woman could show up and put an end to all this. Yeah, you know, that is big news for this week. If you want to discuss these stories or anything else that we missed, kids, you can call us right now because it's time for our cover to cover segment where you nerds control of this damn show. That's right. We open the phone lines. You can call us at 402-819-4894. We do this until 1230 Central Standard Time. But before we get into any of that crap, Jared, can you reset the question of the week that we'll be discussing? This question of the week comes from Jimmy Randall via the THN forums. Jimmy asks, what cliffhanger had the most frustrating weight as well as the most satisfying resolution this can be from tv movie series books comics etc it does not matter anything anything under this sun i love it red sun i love it red hot burning sun okay we're gonna get right into it here jared open the phone lines hey joe and matt this is cotton from phoenix uh, Very well, maybe caught. My thoughts of the Inhuman TV show. Oh boy! Uh, just literally just got done watching it like ten minutes ago. Um, so I just wanted to give you a, a couple different things here. Uh, oh, you know, I've read um, some of the late nineties runs on the Inhumans, and that's about my only experience with it. But um, 
overall the uh the costumes weren't the bad just the designs of them were real poor uh and a big boo to that um although the maximus uh look kind of works for me um I liked the lock jaw uh overall he looked all right and uh, I thought the from the the previews that um that the wishbone was going to be actually on his head versus just some, yeah. just some uh you know uh fur pattern per se um I, I didn't understand what was going on with the NASA lady um and what what, what whatever the hell that was um and uh, essentially with the with, with the four uh, inhumans coming to earth uh, Medusa um Medusa was running around like looking like a looking and stabbing like a mad lady. Um, <laughs> Gorgon is hanging out with surfers. Uh, I don't, I don't, I was real lost on that. Um, and then whatever the fuck, whatever, whatever happened with uh, with Karnak you know, falling, uh, all of a sudden he doesn't know how to do stuff. Yeah, he hit his head. And, uh, <laughs> falling and hitting his head and walking around uh, in a circle. I, 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 again, um, uh, and the, the worst had to be Black Bolt, just for the you know, just for the fact that he looked like he had a mouthful of something for the whole fucking he totally the whole did. show. He totally it did. Like he was holding back vomit or or had a mouthful of some other nonsense. But um, overall, that's it. I just want to give you a heads up. Uh, overall, probably would just watch the season, but not interested in. Putting it on top of the list of anything, uh, it's not unnecessary. Uh, overall, pretty disappointed. But uh, thanks for the time, gentlemen. Um, this is Cotton, blunted custodian. Out. Cotton, first time what, caller. Call himself at the something end? custodian. I don't know. Glutton custodian. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Inhumans. Did you watch it? No, I did not. It was horrible. That's see, that's what I hear. So yeah. it just hasn't. It I haven't horrible. made any moves to check it out. It was horrible, and I think it demonstrates what's wrong when they try and separate the TV studio from the movie studio. Right. This is what yeah. we get. Hey, we know this guy. It's Brian Domingos. Brian Domingos. Brian, it's Dingo, Dingo, Dingo. <laughs> How are you today, sir? Well, what's going on, guys? What's going on, Toots? Hey, man, what's happening? We're cold chilling. Yeah, man, we're hanging out. I'm watching fish. Well, you guys. <laughs> right. You can't awesome. see it, but right behind awesome. right behind the camera is a huge fish tank. Yeah. And it keeps mm-hmm. us from it keeps us mellow. I'm not watching myself on the screen. I seriously I'm watching fish. <laughs> I, I thought it looked like you were just intently watching the, the chat. Like what's going on? Who's who's watching? <laughs> what are we doing? I'm kinda looking. What, have, I saw my <laughs> but I didn't know I didn't know there were fish to watch. There so are that fish makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. What do you want to rap about today, sir? Well, geez, I don't know. I mean, this Tom Strong thing's pretty, uh, pretty nuts. I think. What do you think? Yeah. How do you feel about this? I, I think if it's, I'm, my hope is that it's like this fantastic, excuse me, terrific team travels to different <laughs> dimensions and does things. I heard what he did. And they that. meet Tom Strong, and it's like an issue or two, and then they move on to something else. Yes. You know, like I, I don't want to see Tom Strong hanging out with like. Dr. Fate. I mean, now that seems kind of cool, but I don't, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't need them. Like, I don't need Tom Strong sitting next to Batman in the, in the, you know, at the justice headquarters. Like, I don't think that's necessary. Yeah. But, I totally um, agree. I totally agree. I don't think Tom Strong even works in the DCU. I don't either. Yeah. He does. I mean, they, they did that in, you know, Morrison did that in, in multiversity where he had the, uh, what was his name? Doc Fate. Who's kind of like, He's so basically Tom Strong and Dr. Fate together. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, yeah, it, DC has the, the ability to use it. 
but I think they should do, be very sparingly. And if it's, if it's a guest star, one issue, two issue thing, I don't want them being regulars because right. I don't know. I mean, what I've learned from actual Tom Strong comics is the more there are, the, the worse they get. Absolutely. So, that is absolutely like the, true. The, the first like two volumes are like really great. And even Alan Moore's things, it's like, Oh, he doesn't have any more stories to tell. It's just, it kind of peters out. And then there's fill-ins and, and it's like, yeah, that was it. We got like 13 good issues and then a bunch of, you know, fill-ins, but yeah, you don't, um, you don't like the less young, is young, more, Tom I think. Strong, young Tom strong on the uh, mm. Island in his cutoffs and no. goofball shirt. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I like the really, you know, the, the cool, like the first things were like, Oh my God, this is the greatest <sighs> thing I've ever read. And then it's like, you know, it's, I don't, I, I mean, I think it's like Pascal Ferry and like John, jo- Jeff Johns doing a story. I'm like, yeah, I don't really care about that. Yeah. It's not really, it was pretty, not what I'm looking for. It was pretty to look so, at. I will say that, but no, I, I don't need more. Tom yeah, strong. no, it, yeah, so so less is more, and um, I seem to be doing the right thing over at DC. You know, like yeah, they're not they haven't, as far as I know, formed any manufacturers that I know of. So I think that's a step in the right direction. No, definitely, and like you said, if they're just visiting, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I just don't need them. Yeah, sitting in the Justice League like space station was with batman that's stupid <laughs> right yeah so we all we all sit the same way on that are you at like outside at a, at a field sports game what's going on yeah what's, what's happening where are you um of course yeah i'm at my son's soccer game oh, and, uh, right. okay. he's all a right. he's a he's a little under the weather so he's standing in goal looking sad and tired and uh but they only have four players today, so it's pretty lame. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. He's got to stay sharp then. Yeah, four stay players does not make a soccer game, I'm afraid. <laughs> All right, we got another call coming no, in here. No, but they're... But they're I know. All right, have a good day. All right, See Brian, you, take it easy. All right, let's try this again. Thank you for calling Teachin Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? Hey, it's Jason Sachs. There he is. He was trying to get through earlier. Jason, you fought your way in, and we appreciate it. How are you, buddy? My my cell phone must have had some weird stuff going. Hey, Toots, how's it going? Good, man. I thought, uh, hey, man, are you related to this dude that is going to be writing uh, the old man Logan? (laughs) Oh, it's another sax. It's another sax, dude. Nick Sachs? Was that his name? Something like that. I don't think. Yeah, so. well, there's Steve Sachs, who's an old baseball player. There's actually an actor, another several actors named Sachs, but no, I'm just me. No, nope. all right, all just, right, just plain old Jay Sachs, and which is fine. We love you. What do you want to rap about, yeah. buddy? <laughs> well, Scott Evil called me out last week, and I called me out to ask me to do some research for him. Yes, he did. Who is the oldest comics character that was that's still running at Marvel in DC? And which our has guess been a cool was little thing Namor. to dig into. We guessed Namor. Yeah, but no. Okay. So, uh, yeah, but, yeah, but no, but the, the short answer is that, uh, if you want to go characters who have more or less appeared like throughout the years of all characters is Kazar. Really? Oh, my boy. He's my... really, that makes sense. Kazar because appeared he was, yeah. as a pulp character yeah. mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. before there was Marvel comics when they were tiny pulp paperbacks. Yep. And he was a Tarzan ripoff back oh, in the day, but he's not a superhero. And, He's not a superhero. He actually appeared in, in Marvel Comics number one, though, alongside the original Human Torch. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he had, he was, a, there was another comic, he had a comic series before he ever got picked up by Marvel, too, right? Like, it was like Gold Key or something, right? Or, like, he was, uh, like, one of those pulpy lines had a uh, series before he was picked similar up. Similar to that. 
Hmm. It's yeah. similar to that, a different character, though. It's like Gagar or something like that. Who's Gagar? Um, yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> Gagar. Doesn't translate so well today. It's a different book today. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to talk superheroes who were not published by Marvel and DC, the first one to be published in the comic form was Popeye. Yes, I do that. And I would count. Popeye. You don't think of Popeye the superhero? No, but, Popeye's a superhero. You know, he first appeared like. Um, yes, yeah, so Mariner was in Motion Picture Week, pic, Motion Picture Funnies Weekly in like early 1939. Okay, so he would qualify as the oldest Marvel hero, and yes, yeah, Superman wins for oldest DC hero. Okay, okay. August 18th, 1938 is when uh, Action Number One appeared. Right. So Kazar, I looked it up. He he did have he was in Timely Comics before Marvel got him. in well, the yeah. 1940s. Okay. But I mean, like, timely yeah, became was, Marvel. Oh, no. Look, man, I don't need to know the back history of Marvel <laughs> to know that it's the same freaking comic company. So here's this blind alley I started running into. Here's a question for you guys. Okay. Can you think of the longest-running character, longest character at Marvel that was started back in the day and has been running continuously? Continuously? I'm Continuously. <sighs> So say starting even from, I mean, obviously He's nothing got published through the 1950s. So starting from Fantastic Four number one, what character has been appearing in his own title continuously since then? His own then? title. It's kind of Captain America, oldest. right? Oh, but, but he didn't star in his own book for a while there. Yeah, I suppose that's true. When he, when he was gone, when he yeah. died. So, I mean. And Thor didn't have his own book until. And Namor didn't have his yeah. own book for off and on. Daredevil? The Torch. Daredevil. Human Torch? Depending on how you... Oh, but he's not... Yeah, he's Torch. It's got to be Daredevil. Depending on how you define... Well, it would be Spider-Man, except that Ben Riley was Spider-Man, and we had Superior Spider-Man. Yeah. I'm not sure if that counts. There's been other Spider-Man, but there's never been another Daredevil. one Murdoch. Yeah, I'm saying it's Daredevil. I think it's Daredevil. I think it's Daredevil. I think it's Daredevil. Jason, this was so much fun. And we learned something today. I learned a couple things. <laughs> the official so, THN historian. You on a Saturday morning. No, this is that's your it. job. You're it. the THN historian. We appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> no, no, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Scott. Great question. All right. Hey, we got another call coming in here, so I'm going to let you See go. You, sex. Thank you All so right. much, Sexier. We'll talk to you soon. See you later. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? Hey, it's D. Hey, D. What's up? What up, D? How's it going, guys? Good. You got Wooly Toots on the line with you today because mm-hmm. Joe got bit by a moloid and had Toots to go to the hospital. <laughs> That's right, brother. Thank you. <laughs> what do you want to rap about? <laughs> uh, I just want to notify everybody that uh, we are talking about Sweet Tooth in the group. Oh, boy. A lot of, a lot get, of get ready for the waterworks, brother. This is super dark, isn't it? Oh it's man, a dark story. But it's not just dark; it's like it's it's gut wrenching. <laughs> like, yeah, Jeff Lemire likes to make you fall in love with characters and then do really, really awful things to them. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like everything that could go wrong in this kid's life has yes. possibly gone wrong. Yes. So, okay, Jeez. how do they play along I, if they want to do if they want to read Sweet Tooth with the THN on the fan page with the THN book club? I just I just posted random questions that uh about the story in different panels and we just talk about it throughout cool. throughout each post. Cool. That's it. There you go. You can go to the THN fan page on Facebook. 
You'll see D there is one of the moderators. You have to apply to join. I noticed when I applied to join, it took a little longer than when some other people uh, applied to join. It took but a couple hey, days for me too, man. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I get it. You know, we're to kick it around with the board. And be like, do we want this shithead in here? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> do we want this party pooper pooping on our party? I'm just getting busy sometimes, dude. <laughs> I understand. But good news. After this segment today, we are going to play the book club that you recorded with the other guys previously. Oh, sweet. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So there's a little bonus for you there. And you can check it out. Very cool. Everybody, meet D. D, meet everyone on the internet. And uh, he's a nice guy. And he runs your fan page. There you go. All right. All right, then, brother. Yeah, <laughs> right. I don't even remember the question of the week. <laughs> oh, we were talking about cliffhangers. Cliffhangers, man. Favorite cliffhanger from. Oh, oh, oh. What? Oh, this is your favorite cliffhanger, yeah, dude. Yeah, you're getting pre- <laughs> you're getting preempted, I'm afraid, D. But we will have all the links to everything that we just talked about on the show notes. You guys will love it. THN fan page. Thank you, D. All right, later, guys. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? Chase Magnet. Chase Magnet. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. You got Willie Toots sitting here with doing you. Doing delightful. What do you want to rap about? I, uh, I kind of want to talk about when do we stop giving people the benefit of the doubt? Okay. Based on like just one day of New York Comic Con. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I, was, I was observing really a conversation on Facebook, which I've learned bang. to mostly not, uh, not engage in. And it was about like, you know, you have to wait and see. You have to, you have to hold out. You have to, to hold on to hope. And I just, I look at Marvel and DC and every decision they've made and every decision they're making right now. And it's like, at what point do we just like what point do we cut out the benefit of the doubt for these right. folks? Because it just feels like they're being spiteful towards Alan Moore DC at this point. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard not to look at the Tom Strong thing as it's hard not to look at it as poking the bear anymore. I mean, really? Cause yeah. there's no reason to do it. No one is clamoring for Tom Strong. And we talked about this earlier with uh, Domingos, and, and I think we kind of agreed, like, look, if they want to do a thing where one issue or two issues, they visit the Tom Strong universe, and see, and we see that the family's good and whatever, and they lived happily ever after, the end, fine. But don't, don't bring them into the DCU. It's dumb. Yeah, and it's, it's just one more. It's, it's the fact they never treated this guy right. They've, they've continued to fuck him over a couple of decades, and... It's just one more brick in that wall. So take oh, it on yeah. its own. I could see it being like, well, maybe there's a good idea. But the truth is, is it's part of a long legacy of them screwing the creators that, that more and his co- like more and all of his coll- collaborators. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. And, so, and it's one thing and, to and say, then, I don't know if you, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask if you read the, uh, the ash can that they put out for, for that Watchmen crossover bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah, I, it's, it's 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 a really it's a really wanky on the nose like just riff on Watchmen. Like, yes, I, I don't want to insult uh, fan fiction by calling it fan fiction because that that's screwed to fan fiction. But it comes yeah. off as fan fiction. You're right. It absolutely does. It's like we were just talking about with Tom Strong. There's a way that the DC universe operates, and there's a way that the Marvel universe operates, and then they have these other universes where things happen and operate a certain way. Tom Strong was very science-driven. Watchmen was very real-world 80s communism, you know, like the stuff of the times. And when you put those two together, when you mash them together and be like, see, they totally work, it never works out. It just never works out. Yeah. And I don't know, and I, I I don't know whose actual idea this was. Was it Jeff Johns? Was it someone at DC Editorial? Is Dan DiDio pushing this? 
But I don't think anyone is particularly clamoring for this either. You know what I mean? I think most people that know Tom Strong probably aren't happy about this because most people who know Tom Strong respect the creators of Tom Strong. Absolutely. Um, and that's something that DC has shown nothing for. And then we jump to the other side and we have Marvel announcing that they're, uh, they're going to help. And they've, they've since backpedaled on it. But the very fact they were like, hey, let's sell the military industrial complex to the children. Yeah, it was really weird. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I guess my overall point is, is like, maybe we need to stop giving publishers the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, maybe our assumption now needs to be bad faith from these two because that's all they ever show. I, I guess I'm just, I'm at, the, I'm at a point where I, I, I hear constant defense of like, well, let's just see how it plays out. But we aren't idiots. We have decades no, of history of and course. we know who these people are and what they do. So maybe, maybe we should assume bad faith when that's all that's ever shown. It, I feel like I feel like it's taking you a long time to get here, Chase. Like I, yeah. I have like has <laughs> been there for years. <laughs> the big two, man. I, I don't care for a lot of the way they operate. You know, sure they've got great characters, but I, I feel like they've always treated um, creators poorly, and that's why I've always been like, man, Dark Horse, Image, these, you know, and now right. now even like. Uh, uh, ID, IDW, I, even. Yeah, like, there's so many now companies now that are like aftershock. They elevate like their cool. creators. Yeah. That why even why even give Marvel and DC any sort of benefit of the doubt? Like why even yeah. have that? Why even have that question well, in your and head? And sadly, when we say okay, let's give let's see how it plays out. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. I do so for the sake of the story, and I literally have to turn off that dark part of the business because you know at the end of this Watchmen fucking JLA crossover. They're not going to be like, and then we reached out our hand to Alan Moore and we hugged, you know, and everything's okay. No, <laughs> that's not going to happen, you know? And whether that's Alan Moore being a grumpy old man or DC being an evil corporation doesn't even matter. It happens every day and continues to happen for no fucking reason. No reason. No one is clamoring. Like the only people that remember Watchmen and remember Tom Strong are old farts like us. <laughs> there aren't kids coming in the comic shop going, man. Who's I wish, this guy? I've, I've heard about this Dr. Manhattan <laughs> character, and I'd love to see what happened if Superman punched him in the face. You know? I mean, come on. <laughs> I think the, It is sad, and you're right. Uh, I think one thing I do like that comes out of something like this is when the creator's like kicks back, and yeah. then he makes, or she, makes something you know, like, oh, well, you are doing that to me. Well, I'm going to do this to you. Right. Or like, I'm going to make an analog of one of your characters and make him get, like, yeah. killed like, in a horrible way yeah, or Kirby make him a horrible person. American. Or, yeah, it's like, yeah. all right, I don't get Captain America. I'm going to make Fighting American. Deal right, with that, right. you know. Chase, <laughs> it, I, it sucks, and it is a dark part of being a fan is caring about this stuff and looking into it, unfortunately. But I, I, I do like the point that, uh, that we can, we can put efforts towards creators, people like Bergen street and image and yes. folks who are owning their work and, and yes. acting yeah. ethically. And that's sort of why I'm, I'm pushing against the idea of let's give them the benefit of the doubt because there are a lot of people that deserve our time and effort and are, are doing things the right way. Right on. I got to so cut let's you off. Put Chase. more attention on them. I think I okay. got a call coming in. Thank you for that call, buddy. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover caller. Who this? What's up, you sexy bitches? Whoa! Oh, what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> this, is, this is Joe Patrick. Oh, Who? hi, Joe Patrick. Who? 
Uh, so first, first time caller, Joe Patrick. We uh told everybody about yeah, first time, first time, long time, Joe Patrick. <laughs> we told everybody about no, your you called in with before. Floyd. You've called in before. I you can't pass that shit on me. So Joe was uh <laughs> standing outside the ziggurat after uh some late night uh Malibu and cokes and urinating, and a moloid bit him. And uh, how are you feeling? Are you doing better? Are you? Is everything okay um, in your I'm, swimsuit area? <laughs> <laughs> my swimsuit area is fine. Okay, that's good. Uh, good. That's good. Yeah, and that's really all that matters. <laughs> Fair enough. What do you want to rap about today, Joey? Uh, I have an answer to the question of the week. Okay, Let's it's about time. It. We haven't had one yet. Oh, which was cliffhangers, right? Yes. Uh, so my favorite comic book cliffhanger of all time is the end of Thunderbolts number one from 1996. Oh, yeah, sure. Or sure. seven. Mm-hmm. Nerd. <laughs> hey, it's in the top ten uh, cliffhangers of all time. It is. If you look way, up, it is way up there. Uh, if you haven't, if you haven't read it, get ready for some spoilers. Um, so, a few months prior to the release of Thunderbolts number one, uh, Marvel introduced these new characters. Uh, this this team of brand new heroes that kind of stood up and took the place of all the heroes that supposedly died uh, fighting onslaught. Uh, when we all know they really were just like on counter their pecs and <laughs> their pecs and their pecs enlarged and their feet reduced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, that's on, uh, on, li- on Planet Dif- Liefeld. Different gravity on Planet Liefeld, you know. <laughs> right. Um, oh. And so you know they they appeared and and they did all this great stuff and they were uh, really winning over the the city of New York. And at the at the end of Thunderbolts number one. Uh, Citizen V, who is the leader of the team, uh, walks into the room and he's got his mask off. Uh, and he puts on another mask and he reveals that he is secretly Baron Zemo. Mm-hmm. And that all of the Thunderbolts are the masters of evil in disguise, just trying to con the city into giving them access to all their like Baxter building secrets and all that stuff. Like, Okay, so getting the city to trust them so they can take over. How did they get to become actual good guys? In a nutshell, I don't want the don't give me forty five minutes worth. How do they actually? Yeah, yeah. Because no, the Thunderbolts uh, went on to become good guys. Like Songbird is an Avenger and shit. Most of them, yeah, most of them did. Uh, not all of them, but uh, so basically, the gist is uh, as as they kind of progressed with this plan, many of the characters in the Thunderbolts realized that being a hero was much more fulfilling than being a villain because being a villain never got them anywhere. I suppose. Like we're, we're talking like villains like the beetle. Right. Who is an airplane, an airplane mechanic smart enough to build an Iron Man suit. Okay. We can't understand you. You're getting a little muffled. Yeah. That Moloid stuff is getting to Yeah. Him. Yeah. Adjust <laughs> your hospital bed. There <laughs> <laughs> was an airplane mechanic who built an Iron Man suit and for his trouble, he just got, punched in the face by Spider-Man 24-7. Yeah, he did. He worked. He built like this so, revolutionary bodysuit to rob banks with, basically. He's put more money into his criminal suit <laughs> than, he, than, he than he was, he was ever going right. to make. You know? <laughs> That's right. just bad business, he man. He just sold um, the suit. So, yeah, basically, basically, they just realized that like life was better as a hero and they stuck with it. All right. Then. Um, but that's not my, my official answer. My favorite clip. Come on. What are you doing? Are you seriously two, breaking the two rules two and giving two answers? <laughs> Look, 
I have a comic book answer and a TV answer. Oh my Fine. god! Fine. Yes, let's do it. My TV answer is the season finale of Star Trek: The Next Generation, season three, where the Borg show up and <laughs> just wipe the Federation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And at the end of the episode, they reveal that Picard has been kidnapped and turned into one of the Borg. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yep. Locutus. Yep. Locutus. Oh. Locutus of Borg. Yes. <laughs> It's ridiculous because nobody so, had names uh, until him. He was the first Borg with a name, right? Uh, Tanaka when the walls fell. <laughs> <laughs> That's Darmok and Jalar. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, right. Darmok and Jalar at Tanaka. Um, but yeah, and then you had to wait like three or four months to find out what the hell was happening with Picard. Yeah, I remember that. That shit was terrifying. Uh, that shit was absolutely terrifying. I was like, they killed Picard, I guess. Yeah, that was it was awesome. But then that they, was they took his robot awesome. parts out and he was feeling much better until later on yeah. where they had a movie where they were like, no, it still screws with them a little and bit. And then they got the sexy board. Oh. Okay. We're hang- the PTSD. We're hanging up on you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe Patrick. We love you, Joe. I hope your we wiener feels you, better. Bye, Feel better, fun. Joe. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover Caller. Who this? Harvey Locust. What up, the Harvey? There's a, there's you got up before the crack going? of noon. I'm proud of you. Listen to this. <laughs> I, hey, man. I, I put work in. I set an alarm and everything. Wow. Oh, that's dedication, <laughs> Holmes. What do you want to rap about today, Harv? Well, first of all, I'd like to say uh, <clears throat> it's great to meet Wooly Toots, uh, actually see you in face to, you know, not face to face, but... Right. See your hey, face, and hey, you're not that. You're not that wooly. To, I always, you know, I always thought device. you were more of a uh, binder kind of guy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I I do a seasonal beard, and then uh, I haven't had one for a couple years, so like I'm just starting it. So I'll be a little wooly. Uh, check, check back about check five back, o'clock tonight. It'll we'll be a full a little, beard. We'll get a little woolier. Yeah. All right. Answer to the question of the week. Okay. Let's get into it. Now, I'd have to say that. <clears throat> This cliffhanger hasn't been resolved yet. Oh. And it's been seven years. Oh. But still. Oh, man. Here we go. When we got to the point of the cliffhanger, it brought me so much joy. I'm talking about the end of Batman, the Widening Gyre. Ah, uh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, okay. You were into it? Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Smith's Batman. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Harvey. <laughs> okay. Well, Explain yourself, I'll, I'll sir. I'll entertain this. Lay it out for us. Lay it out for us. All right. Well, if if you don't know the story of, of Cacophony and the Winding Gyre, um, Cacophony is all about, um, uh, what's his name, Onomatopoeia. Yeah. Going after the Joker. Batman basically stopping him. You know, um, Maxi Zeus is selling Joker venom as you know, cut as a drug and this pisses Joker off and he tries to go after him. And Batman, of course, has a choice to make at the end of that one, whether he's going to save the Joker or go after, or go after, uh, onomatopoeia. He chooses to save Joker. Right. He says, he's know, he knows he's going to regret it or whatever. So in the next series in, um, the Whiting gyre, Batman kind of, decides that he's kind of done being Batman, which to me is a good thing. Okay. Like we were talking about last week, you know, with uh, seeing characters actually move on. Right. 
that's something I'd like to see is Batman, you know, eventually decide, you know, because he is just a man, like, right? I mean, he is like, screw this. I'm going to open a sub shop or something. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> well, actually what it is is he falls in love with, you know, he, um, what's her name? Silver, Silver, what's her, I can't remember her name. Silver St. Cloud or something like that. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is definitely St. Cloud, but I can't remember if it's Silver. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. This is well, anyway, St. Cloud, St. Cloud. He gets, he gets a girlfriend, basically, and is like, um, and also finds somebody who's going to kind of take over his position. Right. And, um, I can't remember his name either. It's been a while. I didn't read it because I was not a fan. I just, and it's the way Kevin Smith wrote it. I just, it is silver St. Cloud. And you real, okay. Silver St. Cloud. And you realize the reason that they have not hit you with the end of the story is because Kevin Smith just doesn't fucking feel like doing it. (laughs) No, he's, he's already, he's already done it. It's, it's, it's all on Walt Flanagan right now. And you know, the, the whole, um, do you like Walt Flanagan's art? Do you think Wolf Langan's good artist? I I think he has developed okay. for sure. I didn't I mean, especially in this particular book, you can watch his art evolve from the beginning where it's not really that great. He kind of, you know, he gives Joker facial pubes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was so <laughs> weird. It was so weird, man. And Walt, if you're watching, I I'm not an artist. I shouldn't talk shit, but it Man, it did not work for me. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, at, um, he, he, he gets this guy named uh, Baphomet, I think his name is. Yes. To, he, who kind of, um, he kind of teaches him how to be Batman, essentially, you know, how to protect the city. You know, he tells him stories. This is what a lot of other people get pissed off about is him, um, making Batman pee his pants at some point. Yeah. You know, yeah. what he's talking about. <laughs> there was like an explosion or something and Batman admits that he wet himself. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. He, he had a, he had a bladder spasm, <laughs> oh, which, you know, which, you know, any firefighter will tell you is a true thing can really happen to a person. I'm sure it can not to Batman. Sorry. Not, to ba- <laughs> not to Batman. I'm not buying it. <laughs> So, and, and this guy, you know, this guy that he gets is real chatty. He's real, real nice guy, you know, and friends of Batman and everything. So at the end of the story, he finally, he introduces silver to Baphomet. Right. Basically tells this guy that, you know, he's at the point where he's like, I'm Bruce Wayne. Right. Takes off his cowl. For a character. Turns around. He's never met before. Like. <laughs> Well, that that is true, but yeah, I mean, it is a, a big issue arc leading up to that. I'm letting it slide. You know, I'm letting it slide. So he turns around. <laughs> he turns around, and you hear a a sneaker or a click or something like that. And he turns back around, and of course, it's um, Onomatopoeia holding a knife to Silver St. Cloud's neck. Yep. Oh my God. And that's how it ends. Hey, Oh, and then Walt Flanagan had to draw more story for six years, basically. <laughs> like he's had like six years. <laughs> Come on, man. I would yeah, be pissed if I were years. you. He's also, he's also, he's also done like two others. He had, to, he did a series for the comic book men show yeah. that they did during the show. Yeah. 
I don't I don't watch the show. I don't know. So don't watch the show. You don't need to. <laughs> Harv, thank you for your call. <laughs> I appreciate your answer. I'm sorry to slam the book you love. <laughs> so it goes. Different I, strokes, I, different yeah, folks. Yeah, you know? look, man, I appreciate that he is enjoying this. Yeah. Different strokes for different folks. Mr. Drummond taught me that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, hey, buddy. Guys, also, I'd like to say just real quick, um, check out The Gifted if you haven't watched Gifted yet. Oh, yeah, that started. Yeah. I'm doing that this weekend. Checking it out. With Suki. You're my, you're my next <laughs> man now, Suki. <laughs> Later. What are you talking about, Suki? The guy from True Blood, man. Uh, the main vampire from True Blood is oh, now the, like the father figure of the, these gifted kids. He's their Professor Suki. X? That's right, Suki. <laughs> Sounds kind of perverted when you put it like that. All right, we're going back to the MP3s. We got one from across the pond, our buddy, Staley Lord Fungus. Oh, here we go. I love it. Good goddamn day to you all from the Eastern Doctorside <laughs> Mushroom Manor. I'm stately saying, bitch better have my money. Whoa. Right, for my answer to the question of the week, we need to get in the van and head back to Monday Night Raw, February the 21st, 2005. I love it. It was on this very going. night in that very ring that Batista finally turned face on evolution with a thumbs down that was heard around the world. <laughs> right, story time. Batista had aligned himself with a rebranded four horseman called Evolution. And many months earlier, he, he'd just run roughshod across the whole of the WWE. He was, the, he was the muscle of the group, but his star was rising. And as it rose, so did the barely contained jealous rage of Triple H, who had aligned himself with, <laughs> woo, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Yeah. And across multiple pay-per-views, we watched week after week in awe as this, this guy just took everybody apart. And we all knew it was coming. He was going to turn face on evolution. But every time it looked like he was about to do it, he'd just stay with them and you'd go, oh, damn, what's going to happen? <laughs> and then one night in February, it all kicked off. So Triple H is there in the ring with Ric Flair and they're saying to they're saying to, to Batista, you need to choose which champion you're going to face at WrestleMania. I remember this. I remember this. Fight, <laughs> see. And he gave him the thumbs up and then Triple H is going, yeah, yeah, he's my man, he's my man. And he turned his thumb down and Triple H was just mortified. <laughs> it was, he was terrified that this monster was coming at him. So the lead was painfully slow, but the anticipation was so incredible. When Batista finally gave that thumbs down, it was like every Christmas had come at once. The payoff happened at WrestleMania and the two worked their asses off to deliver. So there's my answer. Right. Question. What am I holding in my hand right now? It's square, made of paper, and has Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps written on the front. It's brilliant. In my other hand is a copy of Itty Bitty Bunnies in Rainbow Pixie Candyland. <laughs> if you haven't oh read it, goodness. here's the solicit. Take some time for an adventure to a magical world with two cute bunnies, two foul-mouthed, drug-using, butt-naked bunnies that go on adorably offensive, insultingly hilarious adventures. It's great stuff. It's not a new title, but it's one that I, it's a great addition, and it comes from Action Lab, and I think they're a brilliant label. I think they're, they're just a great publisher. In my other hand is a fully lubed rubber chicken, and in my fourth arm, well, that's invisible, so I can't tell you what I'm holding. Now, QE2 has just texted me from the grounds where she's busy taking part in the annual jousting tournament that helps victims of being inbred and privileged. Nice. The text reads, and I quote, This week's Queen English segment is all about the often used phrase, Don't get shirty with me. Shirty. Say it with shirty. nerds. Don't, Don't get, get shirty with me. me. Basically, it means, <laughs> back off, mate. You've been a bit of a burk. Okay. Also, you could say, Don't get your knickers in a twist, mate. Or, You really getting on my goat? Or, Pal, wind your neck in. 
I like that one. So let's Mind your neck aggravated, and you are getting annoyed with them. Right. I'm off to the West Barn to report live on Grandma's attempt to single-handedly combine the world's largest orgy with the land speed record. Whoa. So until next time, nerds, this is Stately saying, and stand with me for the new national anthem. She's a good girl. She loves her mama, loves Jesus and America too. She's a good girl, crazy about Elvis, loves horses and her boyfriend too. Uh, Tom Petty, rest in peace. She was an American girl, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian Kelly, that guy, he is a treasure. Uh, He's a freaking treasure. I was like, wind your neck in, bro. Wind I'm, your like, neck I'm throwing in. that I one. <laughs> uh, you know what's hilarious? My wife watches uh, Days of Our Lives. Okay. And they had an English character on there that said Rumpy Pumpy. Like, and I we so Rumpy Pumpy was a big uh, right, right, right. thing in our house for a while there. And then when he brought it up on your, on the show, I was like, well, Queenie brought uh, it up, really. Yeah, she, like, yeah. rumpy, pumpy. Rumpy, pumpy. Yeah. And how's your um, father? That's it. <laughs> Me and your mom are going to go play How's Your Father. <laughs> All right. Let's see who this is. Oh, I believe this is J.D. Ketchumall. He normally calls, but uh, he had something going in this week. He's our resident Dudist priest. He's got like two nicknames now. I know. Well, he's been around for a while. Yeah, yeah. He's a hardworking dog, too. Sure. Hey, Joe and Matt. It is your Reverend J.D. Gotta Catch Em All, your resident Dudist priest. I'm calling in with a voicemail because the lake house is going to be closed for renovations this weekend. Oh. So I have to call in ahead of time. But Got to winterize the lake house. I just want to give you a quick answer to the question of the week. As far as cliffhanger endings, I would have to say the one that comes to mind most vividly as far as people talking about it and being in the zeitgeist is – the end of the Sopranos. Yeah. Well, oh, that's a good, that, yeah. that sharp cutoff ending. So, I mean, I'd have to say the reason I like it the most is. See what he did there? See what he did there? Oh. You son of a bitch. I assume he got shot in the head just now like Tony Now I'm going to go did. on the internet and bitch about <laughs> this. I I still to this and day come up with my own way. The end of the Sopranos, and you that get, is really good answer. Oh, you get to decide too. Like, did yep. Tony get blasted? Did someone, or is that just the end of it? Or I mean, like, did the lights go out? Did the Earth crack in half and fall <laughs> into space? I don't know. <laughs> that was a good one. All right, yeah, that's a great answer. Sopranos, I like it. Oh, we haven't heard from this guy for a while. You're gonna love this. Gentlemen, it is Jesse from GrawlixPodcast.com, and I am MP3-ing in. That sounds like something I should do into a cup. Yeah. Uh, for or cover to cover own. for the question of the week. And uh, my answer to the question of the week for uh, most satisfying um, cliffhanger is Back to the Future. Not because Back to the Future 2 was a super satisfying movie, but uh, <laughs> basically because I read the novelization to Back to the Future 2. Nerd! And that is some- <laughs> book it, so I got some sweet, sweet pizza out of the deal. And I got some even sweeter Back to the Future 2 shades. So I'm going to say all in all, win. But the thing I actually wanted to talk about uh, is something that I missed out on. And, uh, you know, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I'm not calling from the lake house and I'm not uh, technically the nitpicker. So I'm going to call my little uh, rant here. Blink and you'll miss it. So I just finished up Secret Empire and uh, I'm surprised that there hasn't been any outrage about it. Uh, Maybe nobody really read it or maybe they just 
weren't surprised by anything in it. But uh, can I, somebody explain to me what in the world was going on with that ending? Yeah. I understand yeah. that everybody saw, let's just rewrite Captain America coming, but they <laughs> thought a better alternative to that was, hey, let's have our Hydra Cap and Steve Rogers too. I mean, with as many people that are Captain America, have been Captain America, could be Captain America, we needed two Steve Rogers. So now we've got Fight Club Steve Rogers and regular. I am Jack's utter bewilderment. All right, gents, I'm curious what your take was on Secret Empire. And uh, they found me. I don't know how, but they found me. Sorry, guys. Run, dude. Get out of there. Holy oh, man, shit. that's my favorite cliffhanger right there. <laughs> yeah, that's a cliffhanger. Oh, my God. Holy crap. We don't know what happened. <laughs> uh, oh, Secret Jesus. Empire. This is... Yeah, okay, there... I don't know if you missed it, but there oh, was I missed plenty it. of I backlash. turned my back to... People maybe, were pissed. Maybe that's the thing, too, like, because you said maybe nobody read it, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe everybody was just tuned out on it. A lot it of people did tune out. Before it even And I finished. get it. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell anyone what they should or should not be offended by, but I personally was not offended by them making a new reality with Cap as a Nazi and shit like that. Because even in the story, Cap was still kind of Cap. He thought he was doing the right thing. He wasn't letting the other bad guys murder people wholesale. He was doing everything he could to keep things in this utopia that he thought existed. But it obviously did not. And it also did not work in the story because it was dumb. You don't sit across from Baron Zemo (laughs) and the red fucking skull and be like, yeah, you guys have some pretty good ideas. You know, that's like Trump saying that there was good people on both sides in Charlottesville. It's fucking stupid. With that said, the only way that they could weasel out of the way fact that everyone was mad, they made cap a Nazi was to show you no, it's not him. It's not Steve. It is. I mean, it's Steve, but it's not Steve, Steve. You know, here, and then real Steve, Steve comes out and they had the worst like beat him up battle in the end of that book that lasted way too long. And it was supposed to be like this uplifting, you know, as we watched our Captain America attacking phantom Nazi Captain America. <laughs> we all came together as America and America was America. You know, like, shut the fuck up. It did not work. It was stupid. Yeah, it was a bad story. It was just a bad story. I did. I see. I did not know that they, uh, that's how they solved it. Yeah. Like bringing another Steve. They literally farted. In. I mean, like they made it sound like the Steve that we know was just farted out of existence and this other Steve was farted into existence. Mm. Like, like a clone almost. I don't know. Right. Well, it was just such a, but this is the problem with any of these cosmic cube storylines is whenever you have a cosmic cube involved in the storyline, you know, at some point the cosmic cube is just going to make everything better. It's like the beyonder man. Yeah. It's just dumb. It's dumb. And we don't need that <laughs> shit. Cause it's like, it's, ugh, I hate it. Jesse, thank you for a call. Wow. Back to the future two. I will say the end of back to the, the future fact- one. <laughs> the fact that there was even a book. Oh, man, book it it back in the day. (laughs) Like, it was like a school... I mean, they were trying to get kids to read, but let's not kid ourselves. It was like full-on pyramid scheme scheme by somebody that was pushing novels on kids. And they were like, oh, yeah, some poor slob wrote the novelization of Back to the Future 2. That's hilarious. Kids will buy that. All I remember from books growing up as a kid is, like, they would have the book bus come to the school. Yeah, that uh, book, it was like the same thing. I, I mean, but I loved it. That's how I got all my Wizard Warrior and, and new was, books. Book it was the kind of thing where, like, if and the Zork. school my ordered enough, they got a pizza party. So they're like, uh, oh, look, the school spent 
20 grand on books. Right. Here's your $15 pizza party. They do it. They do it with my kids pre-K, man. We got the same yeah. thing. Like every month they're like, hey, order these books for your kid. And then, then the school gets rewarded. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a pyramid scheme. All right. I think we got a new caller here. I don't know. Willowa. What is that? Hello, Willow. For a second time, it's oh. so long, sorry about that. I'm finally calling back to weigh in on the question of the week. I'm going to cheat a little this week and use two <laughs> references from great cliffhangers, though they do share the same universe and the same classic line. I'd like to test that theory. Of course, all the Scoobies out there know that I'm talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, both in TV and comic form. Giles oh, says the line first as he attempts to stop the all-powerful Dark Willow on her grief-fueled rampage at the end of the show's sixth season. Then in true Whedon fashion, Willow uses the same exact words when she takes on Amy and Twilight's Army of the Undead in the season eight comic run. Both quips lead to epic showdowns that I won't get into here just in case there are some uninitiated listeners. But spoiler alert, Buffy always, always, always beats Twilight. That's it for now, nerds. I'll try not to be such a stranger. And don't worry about the music. It's all mine. It's Thank awesome. You. Love and it. It's great. We're yeah, not in our heads. We were jamming Ooh, uh, I'm sorry jamming. I forgot you, baby. Welcome back. That is awesome. <laughs> and I love oh, me some Buffy. Oh, I love me some Buffy. And Buffy was one of those shows where every season had the most ridiculous cliffhanger in the end. <laughs> and they were, you were like, God damn it! <laughs> I remember Buffy was like one of the first shows. I didn't, I didn't watch it live. I ended up binge watching sure, it later. Sure, right. And it was like one of those shows where we were both working at Krypton at the time when Krypton was selling like... Uh, DVDs. We were like in the used DVD market because like mm-hmm. every comic shop, we had to be a flea market too, right? Yeah, right. And there were these criminals that would bring in like fully wrapped, you know, like <laughs> sets of seasons of DVDs. And we'd be like, oh, well, obviously you weren't into it. <laughs> so I'll give you X for it, you know? And then they went and bought their meth and everybody was happy, whatever, right. you know? <laughs> I binged like the first five seasons of, An- of Buffy and fell in love with Angel too. Oh. Ah, so good. That is a road I never traveled, man. I never went down the Buffy road. Oh, love me some Buffy. I had people show me like an episode here and there, but yeah. oh, so great. So great. Let's go to our final call and then we're going to get to our cliffhangers. Sure. All right. This is my sous chef, Marcus. By the way, this is 7.27 a.m. You're supposed to be at work at that point, asshole. All right. Hey, this is Marcus. Uh, I need a, a fictional uh, fantasy novel and or series uh, recommendation from you guys and if you guys would have any you know woman or man say like um who who do you want as a spouse as a spouse as a spouse oh if i could marry a fictional woman i'd marry big barda because no one would ever fuck with me again i'd be like sweetie Kill them. Smash! <laughs> this is too hard of a question for me. Because I love all of them. I also like robot I want a harem too. of... <laughs> robot girlfriends. I don't want a robot girlfriend. I do. Jocasta, she was so hot. And she could like oh, hack well. into systems and shit for me. Change oh, okay. all the lights green. Buy me beer, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Like Void. Yeah. Oh, man. That'd be awesome. Not Void, though. She was kind of a space cadet. Sure, sure, sure. Too weird. And then it also makes me think of uh, 
Battlestar Galactica, you know, and they had the Cylons and you sex up a Cylon. Yeah. And, then, and I'm always like, what the, like, what, they got like a sperm dump built inside those Cylons? Gross. Like, Why would you bring that up? <laughs> because dudes are sexing them up. No, that's true. Everybody was having sex And with I was them. like, well. Yeah. That's just where my head goes. They were sexy, so that's sexy how Cylons. terrible I am. Let's go to fictional fantasy sexy novels. Sexy spouse, though, dude. My super spouse would have to be She-Hulk, man. I'm sorry. I don't see She-Hulk as the Marian kind, though. Fine. She then we'll just uh, then we'll just no have man. a flirtatious affair that lasts for a couple weeks. All right, that's fun. That's cool. And then I'm fine with that. Fantasy novels. I don't read fantasy novels. Um, I read fantasy novels. Help Marcus out. He's an avid reader. Uh huh. Okay. So let's see here, man. Um, well, okay. The, there's all kinds of crap out there, though. Uh, okay, but I really think that um, in the, the Pathfinder Tales, there is uh, two series that you should dig on. One of them is, um, starts with Death's Heretic. Um, is that written by Wesley Snyder? I think it's Wesley Snipes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Death's Heretic. Um, it's like a, a two issue. No, not two issue. There's a two volume series. Um, the James L. Sutter. James Sutter. Okay, yeah, and yeah, Ray yeah, yeah. Porter. Yeah, and uh, there's even a short story online that you can read for free um, that kind of introduces the character. Um, he uh, is These are written in the Pathfinder role Pathfinder, playing game universe. Path, yes, okay. they are. Yeah, and uh, he. God, the, the main character is so cool, and he's like bonded to um, Salim Salim Gadaf- Gadafar. Salim Gadafar. Okay, he serves Salim as a, Gadafar. He serves as a problem solver for he, a church. He's he like hates. an investigator. He's like a um, clerical investigator, and uh, yeah, dude, he talks to like an angel comes and visits him, and it, 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 it's so good. The goddess like, of death. He's so, bound to her to hunt yes. down those who would rob her of her due. Dude, our Lady of Graves Damn. is his goddess. Damn. Um, that's super rad. And then there's also another series in the Pathfinder Tales, uh, three volumes, um, the the Pirate series. Um, I believe the first one is uh, Pirate's Promise. I'm looking. Maybe. Uh, but the guy that wrote it lives on a ship and he sails around the world. He actually and, lives yes, on a ship. And like, Pirate's so, Prophecy, Pirate's yes. Honor, and Pirate's Promise. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, you will never read uh, a more realistic take on uh, pir- uh, ship-to-ship combat and um, just all aspects of being on a pirate ship. And Well, of course, it's in the fantasy world, but right. uh, those are solid. You know, because you're going to, you, you know, you, you could always say read the Dragonlance the original Dragonlance series. Those great. I read those. You could also say, you know, read like the original Crystal Shard trilogy, um, stuff like that, the, you know, D&D books. But, um, you know, I'm, I have a little bitterness towards all that since uh, Wizards of the Coast said, we're shutting down our books. And they cut that all off. Did they really? Yes, they did, dude. I didn't. Why? Yep, That's they, so dumb. I don't know. I mean, I assume they just didn't sell enough for them to oh, come feel on, it was dude. worth uh, money, worth the cash. I, I don't know so much about that. I mean, they I, certainly I, didn't do it because it was a huge hit. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, so, those, you know, you got all that, but uh, I'm about to read uh, Fritz Lieber's uh, Fafford and the Grey Monsters for the first time. Uh, Robert E. Howard, of course, always, you know, the original Conan books are so great. Oh yeah. Incredible. Um, Incredible stuff. 
I haven't read a lot of fantasy. That's why I'm, I'm sending this into your court. Because I, I, I wish, uh, I wish my buddy uh, Corey Podwinski was paying attention because he he could give you a ton of stuff. What is that series, man? Uh, uh shoot. This is engaging radio, but I'm gonna cut it off. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to our answers. Our favorite cliffhangers. Okay. Favorite cliffhangers. You want to go first? Yeah. Okay. Now I thought a lot about it and I don't, there's, I, there's not a cliffhanger that is in my head that sticks in my head. I even went online and looked at like the best 10 comic cliffhangers and none of those mattered to me at all. So I'm like, okay. So then I went down the road of the cliffhanger comics imprint. And I was like, what's my favorite book out of there? And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Which Gives me an answer. Oh, it does boy. give me an answer. Oh boy! And it is Battle Chasers because the comic book ended. Well, it didn't so much. There end. was there was like years and years between issues. Then the series is just farts out. But now, word is the series is coming back. Yes, and focusing on Garrison the Swordsman, but not only that. The best part of this cliffhanger is that there is the video game just came yeah, out, Battle Chasers Night War, and out of the score of ten, it is getting eights and nines. Really? Which means it fucking rules. See, that's why and we're getting. There you go. That's why we're getting the Return of Battle Chasers because the video game. Maduria has been designing yeah, video yeah. game it, shit for yes. years. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the game looks gorgeous. You know, like it. I, I can't wait to get my hands on it. It's just that I will wait for a sale because that's what I do. Fair enough. Because we're cheap. I do it too. Yeah, man. It'll get there. It will. My. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. But I think my favorite cliffhanger. This would have been Green Arrow. And it would have been, I can't remember who was writing at the time. It may have been Kevin Smith. I don't recall. I think it was Kevin Smith's Green Arrow. Uh-huh. Where Ollie goes to Hal's grave and is standing and he's talking to Hal's grave, right? And yeah, the, uh, yeah, this sounds very familiar yeah, to me. Yeah, and, and this was before Hal had returned. So mm-hmm. we didn't know. And this was before, like, there were huge spoilers in the internet and Twitter was leaking shit and all that. And so we just didn't know what was happening, right? And a young guy named Jeff Johns was about to start working on some Green Lantern stuff. And Ollie's talking to the gravestone and saying, basically, you know, I wish you were here. You're my buddy and I miss you. And da, da, da. all of a sudden, next panel, blink, two green boots step up next to green arrow and they don't show anything. Mm. They don't say anything, <laughs> nothing. It just the end. And everybody went, what the hell was that? <laughs> oh man. It was so great. Cause it was so well done. It was a true cliffhanger. It was yeah, such yeah, a that great is a one, yeah. cliffhanger. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And it wasn't even that crazy about how Jordan coming back at the time. It was just how well executed it was. And I always really liked the friendship of Hal. And Ollie. Yeah, sure. And that's something that's been lost, totally lost. Even in this new rebirthing and all everything, it's gone. But it was a fun little uh, cliffhanger for me. And it went to a really good place. Some of my favorite Green Lantern stories. I mean, it was wonderful. Right, right. Yeah, man. Everybody oh. loves the buddies. All right. Everybody loves buddies. Thanks to everybody that called. Thanks to everybody that sent an MP3. We do this every Saturday. And we don't have a show without you guys. You guys are great today. Before we get out of here, though, I need Jared to tell us about the question of the week for next week. Okay. And this one is awesome. Totally awesome. This is the one that I uh, questioned you about earlier, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
this one comes from Harvey Locust via the THN Facebook fan page, which we've discussed earlier in the At show. At length, yes. If you were a member of G.I. Joe, <laughs> what would your code name be? Okay. Bonus! What would your primary and secondary military specialities be? I'm saying bonus bullshit. I want to know your code name, and I want to know your primary and secondary military specialties. <laughs> otherwise, you didn't even think about it. Don't just call and be like, oh, man, yeah, I'd be like Night Sword. You know, like, <laughs> I'm Ninja Hammer or whatever. You know, or like, I'm Razor oh. Owl. <laughs> no. Those are all pretty solid names, dude. Yeah, back in the day... And Joe wrote this in little context. Hasbro had a promotion back in the day where kids could join G.I. Joe's mobile strike force team for five bucks a year. (laughs) (laughs) So great. Like, oh, you didn't pay up. You're out. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It came with an engraved dog tag, an official G.I. Joe belt and buckle, a membership card, a poster, an iron-on emblem, and an annual newsletter. They wrote a newsletter once a year. (laughs) My code name is five bucks. (laughs) I love it. So this was like the Kiss Army before the Kiss Army. Yeah, yeah. I was a member of the Kiss Army back in the day. I was not. I did almost pull the trigger on this G.I. Joe, though. Did you? Yeah, hell yeah. I don't know why I didn't. I didn't because I was already part of uh, Megaforce, dude. (laughs) You and four other kids. (laughs) All right. Deeds, not words. Thanks to everybody that played along. We'll be back next Saturday if Joe Patrick's feeling better. If Joe Patrick's crotch is doing better, then perhaps he'll be back too. Let's all thoughts and prayers with that guy. Uh, we all know you. that Moloid, Moloid, Moloid bites are horrible. Yeah, yeah. They're like cat bites. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, because I welcomed them at first. I was like, yeah, sure. Take, take a nibble, dude. <laughs> you don't like what yeah, happens. Yeah, though, yeah. Man. It's like hey, man. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for Moloid having me. Moloid scratch fever. <laughs> Thanks, Willie Toots, for filling in. It's always good to have you here. And uh, we're going to get out of here. But like I said, we'll be back. And stay tuned after this for a little bonus segment. We're going to give you, like I said, the THN fan book, or pardon me, fan page book club. They're going to do their reviews of Hellboy Seat of Destruction. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. We're not quite done yet, nerds. No, in fact, it's time to hand this show over to the THN fan page where D and the kids are reviewing Hellboy Seed of Destruction. It is one of the single most important comic book series in my life. I have a gigantic sleeve of tattoos on my left arm dedicated to Hellboy because I love that crap so much. I'm a nerd. But so are these guys. And they're going to talk about Hellboy, Seed of Destruction. If you listen to this and you're like, man, these guys are heady. They are cool. I want to be part of this. You can be. Go to Facebook, search THN fan page, and you will find it apply and if you're not me you'll probably get right in it took me like at least 72 hours before they let me in and i'm just playing it cool i'm hanging out whatever you know but you could hang out and read sweet tooth along with these guys by jeff lemire it is an amazing series it is absolutely butt-wrenching as joe patrick and i like to say but for now we're handing this over to the teach and fan page to talk about hellboy G'day, 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 everybody. Welcome. Thank you for joining us here on the first ever 
Uh, Two-headed nerd fan page, Facebook book club add-on, MP3 podcast thing. I'm your host, Jimmy. Um, Yeah, you're going to have to bear with us. It's first one out of the gate, so I'm working with some cutting-edge technology. Just want to point out that my uh, microphone that I'm using is, in fact, my mobile phone balanced on top of two pop vinyls. Uh, really high quality stuff. But today we're going to be talking a bit about Hellboy Seed of Destruction, which was the first ever Hellboy comic book miniseries uh, you know, from Dark Horse, written by John Byrne, but we all know who the brains behind the operation was, uh, Mike Mignola. Hope you've all read it. If you haven't, you really should. And today, you know what? I think I'm going to be joined by a couple of special guests here in my secret hidden base. Um, I've, you know, got an RSVP here from Jeffrey. Got to catch them all. Good old boy he is. And good old Jimmy Ketnerd holds my namesake. Love that guy. And... I think we're going to be getting the first one in pretty soon. I'm going to teleport him in, and he's going to talk a bit about Hellboy and 321 teleportation sound effect. Go. Well, look what the wind went and blew in. It's Jeffrey Ketchum. How you doing, buddy? So, listen, just wondering, what did you think of Hellboy's Seed of Destruction, mate? Now that the old cliche, the book was better, is a bit... Well, cliche, but it completely applies here. We've seen Hellboy adapted into a number of different mediums since his introduction, from two major films, some animated features, and even a video game. But here, in his original format, I think Hellboy really shines. Coming back to the first introduction after so long, I'm struck by the differences in Hellboy from the adaptations to the original. First of all, dare I say it, the book version of Hellboy is smarter. He's half a century old, with a storied experience of cases behind him, He and his team work well together and back each other up. One of the first scenes with Hellboy and Abe in the Cavendish house, HB says, I guess I could be wrong. Sure, wouldn't be the first time, as long as it doesn't turn out to be like the last time. China, 79. God, that was awful. I remember reading that for the first time and wanting to read that story too. I wanted to know what happened in China in 1979. I still do. Behind the offhand references to past cases to the Noresque narration, which can be a little ham-handed, and I think that's mainly Burns' contribution there, there's a maturity and a self-assuredness both in Hellboy the character and in the storytelling. I believe another big difference here for the book versus the film is the world in which Hellboy exists. Here, the world at large knows he exists. This gives him a certain self-awareness that the secrecy in the film doesn't allow for, and frankly, for as good as Ron Perlman's performance is, makes him come off as a little less than mature. The art helps, too. Magnola's art, fantastic. The thing that I like best about his art is the shoulders. The slope of his shoulders gives Hellboy a certain softness that helps with the world that knows who he is and isn't intimidated by him because his demeanor belies his, his appearance. This is key to the Hellboy contradiction and the Hellboy story at large. Damn, mate, you are intimidatingly smart about what could really be perceived as a just a pretty special, but again, run-of-the-mill comic book. Man, like, you're scary smart. I actually don't want to hear from you anymore, so don't talk to me anymore. Just go sit in the corner over there. All right, yeah, good. You got anything to say? No, good. Uh, good point about Hellboy in the film seeming a bit childish because, you know, that kind of just makes me look forward even more to the new one. And, uh, holy shit. All right. Well, that 
Looks like our next guest pulling himself out of the sludge. And who is it? Ah, g'day. It's Ketnerd. How you doing, Ketnerd? Mate, real quick, what did you think about Hellboy Seed of Destruction? Wow. So this was my first time revisiting Hellboy Seed of Destruction since the 90s. Um, I had read it during its original publication, and I had reread those floppies several times, probably, you know, going... Throughout, throughout high school into into college, which for me was in the you know around the turn of the century, but wow, it was really awesome to revisit this like early material for the first time in such a long time. Everything that I loved about Hellboy is still there. Uh, everything that I remembered being great, uh, Mignola's bold figures, the signature chiaroscuro, his first inky renditions of of medieval and ancient. Mesopotamian statuary like it's it's all there and it all is great it, it has that iconic flair and of course we have the instantly lovable everyman monster of Hellboy and this comic stands as one of the great breakout comics of the 90s and it didn't disappoint but it was a little bit different you know probably than my, my memory of the book and one of the first big things that I took away up, uh, from it upon rereading it was its brevity its pace this book wears its, its uh, sort of pulp love on its sleeve, and I had sort of forgotten with, with all of the subsequent material that had sort of filled in more of the backstory, how much this first t- uh, Hellboy yarn just goes. Uh, right off the bat and just like goes full speed ahead and in that way it is very similar to the short stories of H.P. Lovecraft or Robert E. Howard uh, Conan stories you know there there's there's not a lot of space there's not that many pages so they really have to get to it and so one of the side effects of that is that it is a bit exposition heavy in those early pages and and you get a little bit of of uh, big word salady pages of of explanation but it it also just like allows you to get in and get out and, and have a cool, complete adventure story uh, in in a six issue mini, which, let's be honest, guys, is something that comics could get a lot better at. I mean, how many big event books just go on and they're so long in the tooth and they, they take forever to get where they're going and they don't ever get anywhere. Uh, Hellboy was really great. It, it was an awesome throwback comic and I wish there were more on the stands like it today. All very, 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 very good points there, Ketnerd. Hey, it, the part where you say like it, it wears its pulp love on its sleeve. That that awakens something within me. It, it makes me realise why I resonate a lot with with Hellboy and Mignola and BPRD and all that kind of stuff. It is pulp, and I love that stuff. Like Lee Falk's The Phantom. If you guys are familiar with that series, like that'll make me very, very happy. Um, but you know, even going as far as like Conan, things like that, it's. It's just easily digestible. Six issue minis. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. And that, I guess that pretty much wraps it up nice and quick. It's, you know, like I said at the start, first cab off the rank, so probably need to tighten some things up. But this is just a little sample of what happens on the the THN Fan Facebook page. So get in on it, guys. Join up. Um, The next book we'll be doing is Sweet Tooth. And massive shout out to D. Love you, mate. That's just awesome work even just getting this stuff off the ground so thanks for the opportunity to put this all together and that's it jimmy out well now wasn't that a whole bunch of fun like what you heard want to get in on the action join the fun at the thn fan facebook page don't be a big old dumb idiot do it i've been your announcer mitchell tell your mum i said hi see you next time 
Excelsior. That is it for THN episode 463. If you dig podcasts that teach you how to clean out your sexy Cylon, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. THN is a listener-supported podcast, and we want to send a spaceball salute to nerds like Kyle Fox. Remember the spaceball salute? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Who increased his monthly donation and everyone that's supporting the show on PayPal and Patreon. Without you nerds, we don't have the cash to buy the medicine that we need to treat Moloid bites. That's true. That's true. So thank you you guys so much. On a serious note, guys, and I know you don't come here for this, but if we don't say stuff about it, then we're just being jerks. So before we go, our weekly shout out goes to everybody in Las Vegas. It was a terrible week and there does not look to be any good answers coming soon as to why any of this happened, but your community came together and handled a mindless and evil terror attack. And make no mistake, this was terrorism. With grace and human kindness, word to everyone in Las Vegas. Scary stuff. This is true. And until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might withhold all your further issues, rendering all your current storylines into unnecessary cliffhangers. Damn! This is the two-headed nerd. Say-